Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who was first signed by the New York Rangers. He made his NHL debut in the 1958-1959 season, played two years for the Blue Shirts. He would go on to play for five other National Hockey League teams from 1959 to 1975. He's probably best known for his time with the Maple Leafs, where he played seven seasons on the left wing as a colorful third-line agitator, which earned him the nickname the Entertainer and the Nose. During the (laughs) 1965-66 season, he had a breakout season, scoring 26 goals on a line with Ron Ellis and Bob Pulford. His popularity was such that a novelty song written in his honor reached number one on the Canadian pop charts and charted for nearly three months. He is a four-time Stanley Cup champion, a three-time All-Star. It is a pleasure to welcome him to Sports Talk New York. So clear the tracks because here comes Eddie Shack. Welcome, Eddie. Well, that's a pretty nice interview. <laughs> now, you want me to sing the song, Clear the Track, Here Comes Shaq? Hey, let's he hear it. Him down, he gives him a whack. <laughs> you know what? It wouldn't be the... Listen, we've had Ernie Banks sing for us. Right. We've had Ronnie Spector sing for us. So, yeah, so, <laughs> And now we've had Eddie Shaq do a little for us. So you have this amazing new book out, sharing stories from over the course of your nearly 20-year NHL career, Hockey's Most Entertaining Stories, features historic news clippings and never-be-seen photographs, which which retells the story of your life from before hockey growing up in Sudbury through your NHL career. So how did this book come about? Well, I, I, I go to this, uh, the Frameworth place, and uh, they, they said, well, would, would you like to write a book, eh? Like, you, you know, you're from Sudbury, you're a butcher, you, you've done all these different things. You, you worked in a circus selling candy apples, you had bars, you had golf courses, you had different things. And uh, and maybe and I'm a, a literator. I, I I can't say the name. Some sometimes I don't say it properly. But illiterate. How do you say it again? You got it. Okay. Illiterate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am, and I I'd like for other kids, if they are that, that if they work hard, they can get what they want in life. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's it's a nice thing that things happen to me. And I've been very, very fortunate. But I, I was like a, a strong kid, and uh, and I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting because the book, it, it, it's great because it, there's so many different aspects to it. First of all, from where you grew up, there, there's a great joke about Sudbury. Could could you share that with us? Because they basically say there are two types of people that come from Sudbury, right? <laughs> well, that's, Sudbury, that's where they grow potatoes, and the only way they get them out is blast them, right? Right. But uh, uh, Sudbury, there's a, a lot of hockey players come from there, uh, like uh, Timmy Horton, George Armstrong, uh, like, and, and we always say hockey players, and, uh, and, and I can't say it on, on radio, but uh, like, and I would say, like, and girls too, right? Right. Basically, I think the line is there are two things that come from Sudbury, hooker, hookers and hockey players. Wh- which team does your mother, what position of team does your mother play for? So, so you got to watch what you say because uh, looking after Don Cherry is a certain thing and then he got himself in a lot of trouble. Yes, he did. And I'm, at, I'm, I'm 82 and he's 85 
And I think he should have just apologized, and, and that would have been a lot easier. You know what I mean? That's what I, I like to make life simple as possible. You know, when I played hockey, then after hockey, everything was like, you know what I mean, was, was uh, uh, John Ferguson, was uh, Jean Beliveau, was Gordie Howe. You know, after hockey was over, we all got together and we had fun, you know what I mean? That was our whole life, to have a little bit of fun, you know what I mean? Maybe we had to fight. Like, I knocked out Gertie Howe twice, I knocked out Stan Nikita once, and I knocked out Reggie Fleming. But that's when you had to play hockey, and then you had to have your head down sometimes, and then you had to, if you didn't have it up, then you got, you got dinged, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting because the book is raw and unfiltered. It's funny because you ask a very good question right out off the bat, and you lay out a great case for it. You ask why you're not in the Hall of Fame and point out that you won four Stanley Cups, you scored 20 or more goals with five different teams, but you give that answer right off the bat as to why you're not in the Hall of Fame. You want to share that with our audience? Well, first of all, you know, that, that I, I've had very success in a lot of different things, businesses and, and, and money-wise, and like and I have property and all that. And sometimes I tell people to go and stick it in their crease or if I'm, you know what I mean, with the Hockey Hall of Fame guys. Like I've, I've, I've done much more than they did, and I've, I've entertained more, and I can't get into the Hockey Hall of Fame because the way that I, like I can't read if they had me read a script or something like that. I couldn't read it, and then I would read it wrong, and then I would probably maybe upset them. But a lot of people think I am in the Hockey Hall of Fame, though. You know what I mean? When I when I go, uh, like I, I did refereeing across Canada, and uh, and we had that say, like, do you think Eddie Shack's in the Hockey Hall of Fame? And everybody thought that I have been in the Hockey Hall of Fame because I, I've done so many different things that I'm – Look, if, if they put me in the Hockey Hall of Fame, I said, go, you know what I mean? I really don't give one iota, you know what I mean? I've done everything that I could do in life, and I've had some great, great friends, and I have good businesses, and everything is, is going my way. I don't. Like, when I was young, I didn't really know what the hell Hockey Hall of Fame was. Like, I haven't got it. When you can't read, you don't know what different things is. I didn't know what that hockey what do you have to do to get into Hockey Hall of Fame? But then after, uh, later on, I, I found out that, you know what, <laughs> I think maybe I could have been in there. You know, I had a, a record after me. I had a book, uh, you know what I mean? And I've had, I was the entertainer. I scored five goals for all these teams. I scored a winning goal. I was MVP. You know, all these things. I said, well, I, like, uh, do these guys have that much that, that I don't, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm, like, it, like, why not have fun when you're when you're in my stage, right? Absolutely. And your story is an amazing one. You quit school in an early age. You get a job, like you mentioned, at a butcher store. The story goes back that you even you know displayed great talent as a salesman as a butcher. But your dad also saw that you were such a hard worker. But he also wanted you to play with kids your own age. So what he did was, even though you guys, your family, really couldn't afford it, he bought you a pair of skates. What was it about the game of hockey that you fell in love with at such an early age that you actually told your mom that one day you were going to play for the Leafs? Well, you know what? That I, I was a strong, right? And I, I worked as you know cleaning chickens, and I worked at you know what I mean uh, at the butcher shop. And I was young 
Well, I got my license when I was 13. I, like, if you lied about your age in Sudbury, all it would do is cost you $100. So I could afford the $100. So I said, and I, and I drove, you know, and, and, and being in the hockey, like, I, I got into it, and I had fun with it. You know what I mean? I had fun, and, and my dad got me into it because I was working all the time. And he said, you got to, and then what they do is that, that you, you got skates from somebody hand down or you got, you know what I mean? And, and then that's when you, you, you skated on, on the, the road because in Sudbury, they didn't have any salt and they wouldn't put any salt because it costs money, you know what I mean? And then I lived right beside uh, uh, that, uh, uh, what the hell, uh, 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 oh, just excuse me for a minute there, I forget. Uh, Tim Horton and, and Brian Campbell and I, I lived and then we always played hockey after you know what I mean and then I was shooting the puck good and then you know like against the garage door and breaking the garage and oh my god and then I got a chance to go up to Guelph for a training camp and I was only like 14 or so right and uh, my dad says go go so I went up there and that's when Andy Bathgate, uh, Dean Prentice, Harry Hall, they just, they were just out of Guelph then. And, and there was room in Guelph for me. And if you made junior B team, you got 20 bucks a week, 15 for room and board, and five bucks to spend. Hey, well, I said, I'll go to work. I, I can make more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I made, I made the junior B, and then I made the junior A. And then I, then things sort of said, hey, look, at, I think I can make the NHL. And then you, you signed a seed farm for the, the New York Rangers. And, and, and the one thing about New York Rangers, I want to say to you, see, I was playing junior A, and I was playing fairly well, you know what I mean? And I, was, I had like 48 goals, but I wanted New York Rangers to bring me up to Toronto to play the Maple Leafs because I... I I, I had a lot of confidence, but at that time they didn't do that, and then I was sort of mad at them. So while you're at Guelph, you're playing hockey, but you also have a job or a couple of different jobs. So how hard was it to balance the demands of having to play hockey and trying to, to work, and how, how did one help the other, having a job help you with hockey? Well, yeah, like you, you, I worked at, the, at Hales Meat Market in Guelph, and, and uh, you know, you work from... Uh, uh, like say nine till till four, and then you you practice. You practice at four thirty. That's when we had the practice, and then after practice, like I had my car. I had a car then, and uh, and uh, things were pretty. Like it was pretty nice there. You know what I mean. And then the the people, like the, the the room and board was fifteen, and the people really like they they thought the world of you that you're playing hockey and and you're you're doing well, eh? You know, you make it to the NHL at age 21, and in the book, just I read this, and I went back to this. I said, he, he couldn't have really said that. He said, one of the best things to happen to you that year was getting your teeth knocked out. Why was that? Well, you know what? You know, like, I'm Ukrainian, eh? And they, we had this, they, and our teeth, they were spread in the middle. You know what I mean? There, like, there was a little space in the middle. And I didn't like that. I hated that. I, when I looked at somebody that did that, and I said, and, I, and then Lou Fontanato was was in New York upstairs in the garden that we had. We had to at that time New York. We 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 practiced upstairs, 
and we had to go upstairs. We were dressed that downstairs, then you went upstairs. And Lou Fontanato, like he was a tough guy, and he like, and and at that time, they didn't give one iota. They, they like you're you're. I'm playing with you, Louis. You're like well, what are you doing, right? But he would tackle you or hit you or whatever it is. But he was he was different like that, and he knocked my teeth out. But then they paid for it. You had false teeth, but they paid for it. So I'd like, that was great. I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> so you got brand new teeth and you enjoyed it. So yeah. you, you and Phil Watson, the Rangers coach, didn't get along too well. After two plus seasons, they trade you. First, it was to the Red Wings, where you thought you were going to get a chance to play with Gordy Howe, but that deal fell through because Red Kelly was going to retire rather than go to New York. So you get traded to the team that you had told your mom that you were going to play with when you were 11 years old, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it's interesting because in the book, the legendary Leaf captain, George Armstrong, who very rarely talks to anybody, is in this book talking about you. How did you get George for the book? Well, like, he's from Sudbury, eh? <laughs> George is from Sudbury, and and I'm... Like, like I, I'm illiterate, and he knew that. And then he'd help me out, like say that, you know, like we on the train when we when I went on the train, and that, like he would order my food. Like I'd say, George, I'm having the same as you. And then at that time, you'd, they'd have to write out what you'd want, right? And then a lot of times when you can't when you can't read or write, like you just say, "I'll oh, pass." You just say, "Pass" on it. But a lot of people don't understand that when when you when you don't read. You know what I mean? Right, uh, like, and I, I'm amazed, like on television, how the people, like you people, can read uh, the stories and 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 be so perfect at it. When I start reading, I, it takes me a long time. <laughs> so, your style of play instantly made you a fan favorite, and a lot of ha- a lot of that had to do with your play. In the 1964 playoffs, you ended up in a fight with Henri Richard. After landing several good punches early in the fight, you sent them out of the game for stitches. Later in that same game, you continued the chaos by injuring Jean Bellevue with a hit into the boards. Toronto would win that game in the series en route to the Stanley Cup. The legend of Eddie Shack grew, and then the 1966 song became a number one hit in Canada. We, we, we need to play a little bit. So, Rick, if you can, could you just play a little bit of that song for us? Okay, the, the song is like... Uh, uh, so, so I have I have to ask you this, you know, coming from where you did the trade, and now you're with the Maple Leafs. What was it like hearing that song every single place you went in Toronto for for that period of time? Well, you know what it was really like it was absolutely dynamite. It, it was on the radio when you you'd be driving your car and you'd hear your song on the radio. That was totally, absolutely. It, it was it, it was really good. like you really felt great about that. You know what I mean? Yes. For a guy, for a guy that, that, that can't read or write, he's got his number one, and then who beat me out was Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> These boots were made for walking, and I, I wear a cowboy hat, and I wear boots, eh? And, I, <laughs> and mine was number one for a long time, and then she, she was one that beat me out. But I was there for three weeks. 
Incredible. You win four Stanley Cups with the Maple Leafs, 62, 63, 64, and 67. You scored the Stanley Cup winning goal in 1963. During your time in the blue and white, you also played in three All-Star games from 62 to 64. You get traded to the Boston Bruins May 15, 1967. And while playing for the Bruins, you had your famous stick fight with uh, Larry Zydell of the Flyers on March 7, 1968. Bernie Perrant is featured in the book talking about that game. What do you remember about that? And, you know, I have to imagine that's pretty scary being in a stick fight. <laughs> well, not really. Oh. <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, here I am, and I, I said to Larry Zidell, I said, you spear me one more time and you'll get the stick right over the head. He speared me right over the head, right? And, and this, was in, this was in Niagara Falls in training camp. That's, that's when it started. It started in, in, in uh, Niagara Falls. And then we went up in the stands and fought, and the, and that's when the the, the 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 cops they put us both in jail. <laughs> and then that's when we played with Philadelphia, Philadelphia and uh, and the Bruins and Toronto, right? Yeah, right. It's like a scene out of Slapshot, you know, with the, the Hansons, and they, and they lock them up. And that's not the first time you were in jail either. You got a speeding ticket when you were thirteen. Back in the day as well, so it's like, you know, one of the big differences. Well, say like in Sudbury, right? Like, like you could lie about your age, and then all it did would cost you is a hundred bucks at that time. I'm 13, and I I worked hard, and I drove truck, and I I washed trucks, and, and like drove like with the with the with the pigs and the cows, and like in tripods and clean chickens and everything like that. So I I I worked hard, and then I had. But then I went to Dominion stores, and then at Dominion stores they had Wednesday afternoon off, and then and then at that time, you know, like if you could afford to drink, you drank, right? So then we went and had a couple of drinks, and this guy had a 40, 42 Dodge, and I had a thirty-eight, and I know my Dodge would do thirty, eighty-seven miles an hour, and uh, I thought I could beat him, but I didn't. We, I said okay after we had a few cocktails, we t- said well let's go out Highway 17, and let's see who's, whose car is the fastest. So we went out, and we drove, and then he passed me, and his car was the fastest. So then, then he turned in, and I was going to turn in, but then I, 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 I looked in my mirror, and I see the cops. I said, geez, I should just get going, and then go get going. But I went in, and then they, they caught us for both for racing and speeding, and then the fine was like 60 bucks or something like that. So you played in a time in hockey where people didn't wear helmets. And for a long yeah, time, the yeah. goal was to wear masks. How, how different do you think your game would have been and, and your actions on ice if you had to wear a helmet and if the goalies, you played at a time when goalies wore masks? Okay, with the helmet, you know, with the guys wearing the helmets now, you, you don't know the, the individual as well. Now, say that he didn't wear the helmet and he had his name on the back, you could tell the person a lot easier. You know what I mean? Like Ballard didn't want to have their name on the back because he couldn't sell the programs. But now, with your no helmets, your name on the back, you, you could tell the players much easier. And, and you, you knew Gordie Howe. You, you knew Fontenot. You, you knew, like, uh, all these different... It was, but if a guy didn't show much in hockey... Like you wouldn't recognize them, right? Gotcha. Right. 
Now, you talk about your time with the Kings and the Sabres and, and some great stories from your Penguins days in the book as well. Can you tell our audience about how you ended up sleeping at your former teammate, who was then your head coach, Red Kelly, after a house party? <laughs> well, Leonard and I are, are like, and, and I, I love the guy, and, and I thank God that he, I, he didn't go to uh, he didn't uh, go to New York because that that deal found out that if, if he would have went to to New York, then I, I would have, you know what I mean? I wouldn't have been where I am today. But but Red and I were were good buddies, and. Uh, my wife went out of town, and I had the guys over at the house for a party, right? And now we're having a good party, and the party's over, and I want to go and see Red. But today, that you wouldn't have a guy going and seeing his coach when he was half in a bag. And then I had my dog. My dog was with me, and my Leonard wanted to put a pillow under my head because I was half in a bag in there. He wanted to put a, and the dog wouldn't let him touch me. So. That goes to show you that at our stage, what what would happen to go to a coach's place when you're half in the bag? So for our <laughs> listeners out there, it's akin to John Tavares having a party at his house, and then afterwards walking down the block drunk and going to sleep on Mike Babcock's floor. That's basically <laughs> what happened, all right? So that, that's just to, to tell you that. Anymore like that. Uh, yeah, those things don't happen these days. Um, your signature mustache actually gets its start in Pittsburgh as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. I, I, I got hurt, and I was, in the, I, I was in the hospital for a couple of days, and I didn't shave my mustache. My mustache was... I figured, well, I, I'm, everybody's growing their mustache, so I figured I'd let it grow. And then I come home, and my wife says, that looks absolutely brutal. I, you know what I mean? And when she said that, it's going to stay. So <laughs> from that on, <laughs> if she would have said that, oh, that looks really nice, I would have probably shaved it off. Hey, Eddie. So this is Ryan Sherman. So you played for some pretty historic franchises over your time playing in the NHL, but also some very new ones. Can you tell us a little bit about were there any differences between the culture of the team, the way they were run, get, being on some of those new franchises? Well, it, it, it's, it's got to be a lot different now. Eh? Like, the, like the money and, and the way the, the kids are in, in great shape, you know what I mean? Uh, it, and then like with the no helmets and uh, like the, 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 the change is so much different, you know what I mean? Like you don't shoot the puck like I, I was at a, a, a do today, and I, I was with Bobby Hall, and uh, he was signing autographs, and he, he told me about it, the things that when I went to Chicago, I always said, Bobby, Bobby, get me a stick, right? And uh, he'd get me one of his sticks, a Sherwood stick, and he would trim it, and it would be about an inch and a half. And that's when I scored a goal, and I said, thanks, Bobby. And then... <laughs> He, he never forgot about that. Then I had the, I got the hat trick with it, right? And I went over again to say, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. And then the, the coach, he absolutely <laughs> said, what is this all about? And then I just said, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that Sherwood stick. And I've had this conversation in, in the press box so many times that I would love for the NHL, when they do their All-Star Weekend and they do the skills competition, when they do the hardest shot – I would like them to do one round with the old school wooden sticks 
and another round with the graphite that they use now. Because I can only imagine what Bobby Hull's slap shot would have been with that graphite stick. Because the, the way the torque and the whip these guys get now with the shot is so different than back in the day. Um, have you ever wanted, I, I know that you participated in a lot of those old timers games. Have you ever just taken out, uh, when you've been out there, some of the newer sticks? No, no, I, I've never. Like, and they're so light, and they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when when we played for Toronto, you had the CCM sticks, right? Yep. And they were they were straight, right? But then with the Sherwood, they were curved, right? Yeah. Yeah. They had a like, and then at that time, you only could have an inch and a half curve, and then my curve was a little bit more. And I think I, I got they they measured your stick at that time, and you'd get a two minute penalty. Yeah, wow. they, they used to have the, the little but, tool but the that sticks, they represented. Like the sticks today, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the feeling if, you know what I mean? I know that, like, the Sherwood, like, you know, you could, you could, and, you, and you're shooting from the blue line. Now they, 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 they make a perfect pass. They got to make, and they get in, they get the opposite guy with his wing, and then he gets them right in the corner, and then they keep shooting. And then, like, when, when Bauer played, if a goal went in on the short side, Power, you're going down to the minor leagues if you let one in on the short side. But they always stood up. Eh? Now they're always crouching in that. So the, the game is totally different. And I think that, that we used to always get together more. Like when we, after a game, we would all get together and have a drink or have a beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And after practice, we, you know what I mean? I think it's much different now. The, the, the kids, they, they go on their own. They're, they're busy with all their to count their money, holy jeez, that's, that's a lot of money to count. Like we, we never had to count that much. But one kid said to me, "How much did you make a year?" And, and I said, uh, "7,500." He said, "Was that a day or a week?" I said, "No, no." I said, "If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't be getting what you're getting now." So just keep quiet and be happy. <laughs> Absolutely true. One of my favorite parts of the book is, is the Eddie picks, and it's where you go through a, a bunch of you know best, toughest. So, who was the toughest guy you played against? Well, well Fergie was tough, eh? Fergie was tough, and then, you, you know, you, you, you got a lot of uh, different guys that are, were, were you know, unbelievable. And, like, Teddy Green, and, the, like, there was every, on every team there was, uh, like, a, a tough guy. But, you know what I liked? When they said third man in. Remember that deal? Yeah. <laughs> Third man in is so I said, "Oh, this is the best deal! I I really like this deal." Third man in is out of the game, right? Right. So yeah. now we go to uh, like we're, we're in Toronto, and now Fergie Fergie said, rah, 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 rah. "I said, Fergie, you grab your partner and I'll grab mine." And then there's a struggle came over, and I said, "Who do I grab?" Is Andre Richard? <laughs> <laughs> I said. Andre, it's you and me, big boy. Let's go. And I, I tried to get my hands a little bit loose to give him a shot in the head, and I couldn't. So I had my both hands on his shoulder, so I cocoa-bonked him. <laughs> I cocoa-bonked him, and then the blood come down, and the, you know, and then the, the shit, the shit, the goddamn, you know, heady, you know. <laughs> and then Ferguson, yup, yup, yup. I said, Fergie, go stick it in your crease. You grab your partner, I got mine, right? So now we go to Montreal. So going to Montreal, he's yapping again, right? Third man in is out of the game, right? 
I said, I always like, I like my partner. I like Henri. Henri is good for me, right? So now we're, I'm going through the, to the dressing room. Who's there but Morris the Rocket Richard? Oh, my God, I'm saying, what, what's going to happen now, right? I'm walking through. He says, Hetty. My name's not Hetty. You should have Hetty. I, I look up. He said, thank God you never had him with your nose or you would have spread my brother in two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. No, but awesome these are the things that we've had. And Morris Rocket Richard, that, that I, I, I like Alzheimer's game, and I played one game with him in New York. And uh, Morris, like, he was a great guy, you know. And he, he would drink gin and grapefruit juice in the morning. Now he'd have a little taste in the morning. <laughs> hey, Morris, yeah, Bowie. Two minutes for looking so good, Morris. They used to do commercials like that. Right. Well, that's interesting but, you mentioned that because your life after hockey was pretty busy as well. You starred in many television ad campaigns following your retirement, acting as a spokesman for Esso, Journeys End Hotels, and perhaps most famously, The Pop Shop. 1976, you began appearing on billboards and radio spots, represented the soda company at events. So, and you had your own chain uh, of donut yeah. shops as well. Could you ever envision all of that as well as a hit song? This is a, a, there was a, a book written about you, and now this book as well. Could you ever, ever have envisioned all that when your dad got you that pair of skates at age 11? <laughs> no, but like, I, I'm just thinking eh, that you know, I'm, I'm so lucky that things have happened to me and i and i wasn't i, I wasn't afraid I, I i didn't have to lie uh, i i was like i i did fight when i had to but hockey was was absolutely dynamite and after hockey that i met so many of the guys after hockey that you know like like john ferguson him and i did commercials together he had the prostate cancer and i had it too and we did commercials together so all these things that we've done, you know, and I and I said to do commercials. I I haven't done any commercials for a while, but I said, wouldn't that, with prostate cancer? I said, wouldn't that be something? Me with a cowboy hat on and cowboy boots and 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 the diapers. <laughs> and you know, I got a nose for value, right? But the things that I done, like and the the, the commercials that I done, they would they would not. They would write off the first one. They, they, there's no practice runs with him because, like the one I did with the rough and ready garbage bags, I I kicked it and then I went ah who and then that's the one they took. So you you never know which one they're going to take or or what's going to happen. Eddie, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's a great book available on Amazon and where books are sold all over the place. I also want to touch base with you because I'm doing a book on, on Ranger first, so I definitely want to talk to you about some of your memorable Ranger games. But we really appreciate your time tonight, and more importantly, the, the you know hundreds of games and entertainment you gave NHL fans for many, many years. My son is in, lives in Brooklyn, New York, and his name is Jimmy. I just want to say hello to Jimmy, and, and he's doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Jimmy. All right, Eddie, thanks so much. The okay, legendary bye. Eddie Shack, four-time Stanley Cup champ, a great book.